I think I began by saying we want to come out of this stronger. And unless we get that level of proactivity and people working collaboratively and honestly, and that's at all levels from the implications of keeping the school clean at the caretaker's level to the education director, to the minister of education, to the colleges, we could quite literally make a world-class education system learning from what we've got here now or we could make an absolute hames of it. Hi, Cormac Venny, owner of Hip Psychology, and welcome to the Hip Psychology Mastering Your Craft podcast. This is the fourth episode of our third series. This series has been focusing exclusively within education in particular in relation to COVID-19 times. Education is an area that HIP works in extensively, supporting pupils, staff and parents with workshop style sessions where we focus on areas such as resilience, promoting anti-bullying, study skills, motivation and helping pupils develop skills to excel with pressure and manage stresses. This podcast is with Sharon Lamont, principal of Melbourne Primary School, Coleraine. Sharon is uh, someone I've worked closely with over the last two and a half years. Sharon's knowledge and insight comes to the fore very strongly in this podcast with some brilliant insights and practical takeaway ideas for people in all areas of education to implement. We look at the challenges that has been presented so far with COVID-19 and this is in relation to all stakeholders, staff, pupils and parents. We also look at moving forward how this might affect education and in particular we talk in relation to the education minister's um, overview on a staggered return approach to school. This podcast was very enjoyable from my perspective and I personally took a lot away from it and I have no doubt you will too. So I'd like to jump into the podcast with Melbourne Primary School Principal Sharon Lamont. Sharon Lamont, Principal of Melbourne uh, Primary School in Coleraine. Sharon, thanks so much for giving up some time today to, to chat to us on, uh, on all things education, and in particular in this COVID-19, this strange time we find ourselves in. Very welcome, Cormac. I'm quite surprised at your invitation, but delighted. And hopefully, you know, through the course of our chat, it'll be useful to somebody somewhere. No, I have no doubt it will. From working with you and your school, I've always I've always valued your your opinion. So, um, we're now seven weeks in. Two schools have been have been closed. How have you found? How would you describe this? The last seven weeks. Um, the last seven weeks honestly seemed to me almost surreal. I can't believe in one way that it's seven weeks prior to the schools closing, being directed to close. It was probably one of the most stressful periods of my life. Um, following that, because we had loads of conversations about would they close, when they would close, how they would close, and so it went on and went on. And really, within about 48 hours, there was a big bang and we weren't there anymore. So. I think um, I'm possibly like a lot of people heavily involved in education in that, you know, while we're going through the motions here, it is almost 
surreal that we haven't seen our kids or our colleagues for seven weeks. And yeah, I think getting your head around all of that is quite a challenge in itself. Yeah, it's just interesting how you said about putting the most sort of stressful time in your career. Like, how did how did you handle that, and how did you lead people, a, a whole school community, through that time? Well, to be honest, again, there's no, there's never, well, there isn't a blueprint for any of the what's going on at the minute, nor the run up to it. I'm blessed. I work with a team of very highly committed staff. And when I say staff, we talk about Team Milburn because no matter what role you play in the school, you're an important role. And uh, and I noticed that possibly within about 10 days prior to the school closing, um, anxiety had started to lift a little bit. And I find that almost difficult in that people who would have employed very logical brains seem to have lost their focus a little bit and for me um, my rock's always been school so no matter how things are going anywhere else I go back to work and that steadies me so for me personally it was tricky because I had to go and sit around the other side of the desk um, my predecessor was uh, John Platt was amazing and you know he taught me that he said if things get tight and you're having difficulty trying to understand somebody go around and sit on the other side of the desk and try and imagine how they're feeling and that's been something that I've, I've practiced and I've practiced and practiced and in fact even when children come into me now and there seems to be an issue I'll say okay well look if you were faced with this what would you do okay if you were you know if you had a sorted or you were me how would you do it and it's been a very valuable tool so in the run-up to school closing and just a sixth sense that people were anxious, stressed, and, and very fearful. I had to work on that. I had to think, okay, how are these people feeling? When you strip it back and you look at a staff, staff have every uh, responsibility that members of the public have. They've got young families. They've got uh, partners, husbands who work in jobs that um, financially are keeping homes secure. They've got elderly uh, parents, myself included. And I think the build-up and the media surrounding the implications of COVID and contacting COVID and spreading COVID um, were really starting to impact on people's emotional well-being so once I got that in my head I thought right okay we need to we need to acknowledge this okay we need to acknowledge it and we need to think okay how are we going to keep this team united because it's like everything else when you're united you're stronger I think it was a case in the in the uh, build-up to the closure we had numerous staff meetings where I was updating staff as I was getting information and I think that open transparency helped people see that um, it wasn't just a case of that myself and the governors had decided, well, you know, it doesn't really matter because we're going to stay open. And that was particularly prevalent when the Republic decided to close their schools and they closed about a week previous to us. And then we had the whole discussion that went on about, well, why are we still open? And again, I think there were relative points raised there, but I was trying to encourage the staff to think about the timeline, the scientific timeline that was coming out of things. and that our government, whatever they are here, um, would make a decision that would be in the best interest. And, and that's how, how we handled it. Open transparency, even within about 48 hours of closing, um, you know, I was still circulating every email that came to me, to the staff, so that they could make informed decisions, but also try to come to some type of understanding as to 
why the Board of Governors and the senior leadership team in Melbourne were, were making the decisions they were making. Because you walk into something like this together and your ultimate aim is to walk back out of it together um, and stronger than when you went in. Brilliant, walking in together, walking out together. I really like that. Um, that sense of open, transparent communication, very powerful. And then, as you say, going to the other side of the desk, just displaying that human trait of empathy. Mm-hmm. So much in that. You mentioned there as well, Sharon, your rock as school and missing missing that and something from conversations I'm having with friends that are teachers they're genuinely missing that they're missing the day-to-day interactions with the kids it's almost like it probably is to an extent of that part of their identity stripped away and that is that's a that that must be a challenge for uh, for staff it's a huge challenge. I mean, I know you're a big Sir John Jones fan like I am. And, you know, one of his uh, taglines is, you know, children, children, children. And that that to me is so powerful because if you take that and link it in with this the next stuff about, you know, your big why. Well, that is why we do things. We do teachers, head teachers, boards of governors get involved to get the best possible life chances for all our kids. And I know that, um, I mean, even from experience of having worked um, a very long time ago with the Northeastern Board when it, when it was there, I chose to come back into school again because there's nothing like the buzz of being surrounded by like-minded colleagues and that buzz that children give you. I mean, it's, and to have that removed and up for all the right reasons, you know, I mean, I know the health and safety of the children is paramount, but... But to have that stripped from you actually strips something from your human core. In fact, it, about three, four weeks ago, um, unfortunately, I had to go to a funeral. Not of a close relation, but my best friend's father-in-law died. And um, when I came back home on the Saturday morning, I was really low. And um, thankfully, um, my husband's, um, well, you might have to ask him if he thinks thankfully or luckily he's stuck here as opposed to usually being working in America. And when he asked me what was wrong, I said, the only way I can describe it is by I feel lost. I feel lost. Um, I got over the the panic and the drama and the emotional idea of of the anxiety about closing. But then I just felt lost, and that was about three, four, three, maybe four weeks in. And he said, "Right, okay, let's do what you do here." And uh, we actually got into the car, and I drove to school, and I walked around the corridors. And if anybody's asking, as far as I'm concerned, that was essential travel. <laughs> um, and uh, and I came home again. He, I said, why do you make me do He said, because you need to appreciate yourself. You need to appreciate that this is your anchor. This is your focus. And um, he said, you're lost because it's been removed from you and not on your terms. And if I'm feeling that and having spoken to my staff and, and, and all the members of the, the Milburn team, they've almost they've all intimated that as well it's lovely to have time with your family unexpected time but there's something in every teacher's core that wants to be there for their kids and um that that's that in itself has been very tricky and what like what have you found like from your your staff that that is that's worked for them to help them within these times well, I think, you know, it's, again, it's, I, I know that 
Joe, um, in your previous podcast, had talked about relationships. Schools are based on relationships. You know, you don't get a, a, a successful learning environment if you don't have those relationships. The webinar that you did yesterday was brilliant. I know myself and, and the staff that were in jumped on it, I loved it, because it reinforced exactly the ethos of our school. So again, I think with regards to teachers, um, we've worked really hard on maintaining direct contact with one another, whether that be on the phone, virtually, sending jokes, all the things that, you know, we would be doing and bantering about in school, um, but also putting in that strategic level whereby we're supporting each other in whatever this remote learning environment is. You know, it was the same getting the homeschool learning packs together. There was a lot of collaboration, and I think that's crucial. Um, and again, it's absolutely imperative that we hang on to that because that is what makes us us at Milburn, you know, um, that collaboration and that, that support for one another, that contact. So we've been doing that on a daily, daily basis. Um, and I know that... Um, you know, for instance, our, I know our foundation stage staff um, and key stage one staff, they're having virtual coffees once a week. And, uh, you know, I had a virtual coffee with my secretary, Daddy, because that's what we do, you know. Um, so, again, it's just keeping those lines of communication open and um, making sure that uh, the senior leadership team who uh, we work really closely together, but making sure that um, we've got that day to day contact or, you know, maybe once every other day, but we touch base regularly. And I think that's helped staff on lots of levels. And, you know, it's gorgeous when you see, when you're doing a Zoom staff meeting, which, you know, turns out this old dog can learn new tricks. And, you know, you've got a little kid jump on its mum's knee and dad's waving at the door. And, you know, so again, we got that wider, we, we had that wider relationship. Our families knew each other. We've got banter that goes and, and we just had to find ways of, of, of keeping that going. The other thing that's been really useful, um, and I'm sure a lot of schools have it, is uh, we've got a staff WhatsApp group. It was set up before all of this, you know, and um, sometimes it's sensible and sometimes it's not. <laughs> so, sometimes you get a really good joke. It's really good to share it with others, you know. Um, and if you want to play a joke on somebody, it's also a good, it's a good, good platform, all in good fun, of course. But it's been brilliant because you know teachers are sharing ideas on that. Somebody comes across a link, something that might be useful for, for our children, or even just themselves as colleagues. Like with regards to your, your webinar, just bang it on there. You know, you might be interested in this. That again has kept that that collaboration very, very strong and and the, and, and um, communication open. So yeah, I think it's getting out there touching base, sharing, not being frightened to say, do you know what, I'm having an absolute nightmare of a day, I need to get out of this situation really quickly, or because the, 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 um, the answer to that tends to be that there's always somebody in your team's going to say to you, yeah, I know, but you know, aren't we lucky? Aren't we lucky that we've got our health? And, you know, so yeah, that, that's how, that's, I think, been very helpful for us as a staff, holding on to all of that. You're better than me there. I used to do virtual coffees. I'm sort of more a virtual wine man, but um, I suppose it would work. Well, I have, yeah, well, what I have to admit to is that um, one of our lovely teachers, Mr. Finnegan, Brendan, came up with the idea um, four weeks ago of doing a, a pub quiz. And I was actually virtual staff pub quiz on a Friday night. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I am losing all, all credence of being a 
even close to intelligent woman. It turns out I have no general knowledge. Um, I shy very, very quickly from 11 plus AQE questions. Yeah, but I'm good at albums. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, good, I'm good with my music. So I keep telling them that I'll enter again when they're going to do a Milburn school policy round. Because it turns out that my life tends to evolve around Milburn Primary School. And if it doesn't have a question based there, um, well, somebody's going to beat me. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have to look at my work-life balance. But cheers to Brenda Finnegan and Rory McLean, who lifted up the mantra and um, have had the pub quizzes up and running. That's been good fun. Great stuff. And I think um, that, that connection in these times is uh, human connections just as is so so powerful i think i've quoted possibly quoted this in the podcast before but there was a i'm, I'm completely sidetracking here but sure that's it's my podcast yeah <laughs> we can do that but um <laughs> no there was a, a piece of research done at harvard a longitudinal study where they were looking at what are the components of health and happiness and it's like i think the followed 700 individuals over the course of 70 years or 70 years and it, it, it turns at the core of it that the, the, the most important thing was relationships and um, the social connection that the people build as, as part of their lives are, are paramount uh, above everything else, above money, above wealth, above everything else uh, at the core of being, of being happy and well. So I think there's, there's just, there's a lot of that pan in there, uh, Sharon. Um, Sharon, you, you mentioned that term, I suppose it's been the most in, in vogue and popular term in education um, at the minute. And I, I'd never heard of it until nine weeks ago, uh, remote learning. How has, how has that been? Because that seems to be a huge challenge. Uh, talking to you know, some of the, a lot of the teachers um, that we would, we would work closely with, um, it seems to be great difficulty. And how are you handling that? And also then, I suppose, tying into that, the, the communication with parents seems to be something that, that some schools are struggling with. Is that what you're seeing from your end? Yeah, well, if we start with the remote learning, um, I can remember a very long time ago, um, sitting in Glasgow in an arena and watching um, Sagutra Mitra present. And he now is the chief scientist for an Indian software company. I think it's N-I-I-H-T. Um, and he was telling an experiment, he told about an experiment that he carried out. I call it the computer in the wall experiment. I'm sure, you know, it's got a fancy title, but you know, I'm calling it the computer in the wall. And basically what he'd done is he, he placed a computer laptop in a wall in a suburb uh, 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 in India and he left it there. And basically the outcome, it's a very interesting read actually, the, end, the outcome was that um, these children, these Indian children who didn't have access to school taught themselves not only to use a computer, but also started to self-teach. And I can remember thinking, oh my word, I mean, you know, this, this, this just can't be because, you know, children need their schools and the teachers. But it made me at that stage a very long time ago think, you know, the power of technology and how things were going to move on and what we should be doing in, in light of that. Um, and then, of course, we've got the Finnish system as it is currently. And um, I, again, I'm making up my own terminology. Um, so if Tony Gallagher or any academics are listening, I'm apologizing profusely, but I can back it up with research papers if they want. But what I'm calling it is um, the no walls in classrooms. In fact, no classrooms in schools, Finnish, new, the new innovative Finnish system, which I love the Finns. They are so innovative. And there is a lot of power also in what they're doing at the moment, as opposed to what um, the Indian experiment carried out. But I keep going back to 
oh my god in schools schools need to be schools you know that those hub those hubs of community so remote learning and uh, when it started i thought oh dear this could be tricky um uh i really don't want this to be the way things go and i think joe put it beautifully it's never going we're never going to hold on to this um as a, as a method of teaching although strands of it will be embedded obviously when we go back but remote learning um for us um has taken on a life of its own and i have to say i am so proud of the staff and i'm sure a number of head teachers are saying that about their staffs um you know when you go in for an interview they ask you a question and one of the standard responses is you know qualities of teaching oh i can cope in an ever-changing environment of a school well by jove i'm telling you the teaching profession is walking the talk right now the majority of them because they are coping in an ever-changing environment um and one of the other standard responses is you know um oh i'm committed to continual professional learning well this one is definitely committed to convert because i've learned more about technology in seven weeks than i ever even wanted to admit that it was possible but teachers have been working um tirelessly to try and get connections into their children's learning because the homeschool learning packs that mr weir advised schools put together um for three weeks um could only work if they were allowing children to consolidate previous knowledge uh, but the time comes when you have to move children on and I mean again that's backed up by the Vygotskian theory that you know the zone of proximal development if you don't challenge children at appropriate times then they just become complacent so our remote learning has been looking very much at okay let's adapt to new ways of teaching what we would have been teaching if we were in school and I know that um, in your webinar you talked about the seesaw um, app, which is currently what we're using. I know, I mean, and each to their own, lots of schools are using Google Classrooms, Microsoft Teams, um, depending on the children's ages. But um, it couldn't, uh, Seesaw couldn't have worked better for us um, because it allows our teachers to record videos, um, to talk to their children, to give that instant feedback that's crucial, that, you know, tries to keep them engaged, um, sets challenges. Um, and Honestly, I, I mean, on, on the Facebook page, they've been, we're trying to celebrate good work just to keep the platform open. Um, and um, the, a couple of nights ago, watching what our year ones have put up, you know, it really, it really made me feel very humble because the circumstances that teachers are working with at the minute, you know, trying to balance their own family commitments, trying to keep on top of, of their commitment to their pupils some of the work has been absolutely outstanding given the circumstances there's a great book by uh, spencer johnson and it's I'm, I, I think you and i've chatted about it before um who moved my cheese and uh, you know it just keeps playing back in my head at the minute you know because one minute our cheese was um six miles down the road and then it was under our nose and then it was somewhere else and do you know where it'll be tomorrow but I have to tell you, the teaching profession, they're not giving up. We're very healthy mice right now. Great. And then what about uh, parental communication? Yeah, do you know what? Hats off to parents. Um, because, you know, if you think that children's worlds were turned upside down with their, their primary school children anyway, probably within 48 hours, they're, they're, they're just, they, 
world went wild for them and looked completely different. Parents' worlds have gone 360. Um, they're having to deal with their own issues, just trying to get their head around this. Um, I'm sure my husband won't mind me saying, I usually see him probably one fifth of a year and now he's been here for seven weeks and that's a whole new dynamic in my world great as it is but you know and then you've also got families who unfortunately jobs have been put on hold and the stresses and strains of having to look at what is universal credit how many other thousand people are in a queue before i can somebody can listen to my call so you've got a lot of burdens and you know socioeconomic burdens on, on on parents um personal issues um, and then on the top of all of this um, we've got remote learning and look it's it's over to you so whilst i can see that there's major difficulties and i can also see that a number of our parents have gone oh my word over and beyond in fact you know if vacancies come up i think they should maybe look at joining the teaching profession they've, they've been amazing but there there comes a time where parents sometimes just perhaps have decided that okay a lot of people are telling me i don't need to worry about this my advice is i think you need to worry a wee bit about it because uh, we had within probably about 10 10 days we decided that we let it run away the remote learning followed three weeks of homeschooling packs so we decided uh, as a senior leadership team that um, we would let it run probably just over the week um, and then look at the registers of children engaged. And I'm sure it's the same with Google Classrooms, but you can check who's fully engaged, partially engaged, not engaged at all. Um, and at the end of the time frame that we'd agreed, we were probably sitting about 37, 40% fully engaged. Now, if you know me, um, you're either fully engaged engaged or you're not and um, so the partially engaged we hadn't counted in if we if we counted in we had a really good level of engagement but there's always room for improvement as a sportsman cormac you know that so once i had the teacher once i had the class registers um i decided i'd go back into school again and make a couple of calls home just reaching out and actually do you know what it was lovely it was so lovely getting a chat with parents and you know touching base and I talked to kids who happened to be standing beside their mummies and our dads or grannies or whoever they, they were with them and think oh my word why is Mrs. Mumford and my mom but I got to tell them you know that we know we believe in our kids and we know what they're capable of and uh, it would just be wonderful to see them on Seesaw and was there anything that we could do to help or support them or because no problem was a silly problem no question was a silly question you know just fire it over out in an email we supplied our our teachers email addresses and the homeschool packs but again i can imagine that in a lot of houses um, my own included if that if i'd have been trying to deal with everything else going through the homeschool learning pack and then trying to hold on to pieces of information like email addresses well you know dear knows where that would have ended up thankfully you can't see my desk in here at the minute or that would have some type of clarity um so it was about going back and saying look do you know what don't worry, give you the email address again. Direct contact, easy. Um, and then just because, again, people who know me will appreciate this, I am a bit of a dog with a bone, I decided I'd just send a wee follow-up text on our texting system to say, hey, just in case you didn't have a pen or it wasn't working. So with regards um, engagement, and we're now into the second period of monitoring, if you want to call it that, 
we're sitting well up there. We're sitting probably about 60, 62% with, with a higher level of the partially engaged, which is great. Now, currently what we're doing with the, the small, and is a small number of children um, who are non-engaged, we have to also appreciate that that digital delay, that Southern report that everybody's you know talking about um, about remote learning and engagement levels and the reasons behind it, they have to be very very carefully factored in. But having spoken to a lot of parents, um, thankfully we're not having access problems. What we are looking at are um, perhaps four or five kids in the one house with one device and how that's shared out, um, particularly if parents are looking at are working from home. So our next step is how do we get our devices out to parents? And that, that's our next strategy for looking at, looking at that level of parental engagement. Coming out of the senior management team, I think, and the staff meeting that we had this week, uh, we're also going to write a generic letter out to parents because I think that it's not about putting a kid in front of a computer all day, well, all through the, what is a school day. I think that I agree with all the other colleagues that I've heard, um, you know, you need to get that balance. So children should be out enjoying the relationships that they're, they're building with parents who maybe they haven't had time to, you know, they don't see um, as much as they're seeing now. I love the idea of kids baking. Um, and I know you yourself had tried to make a cake and obviously you were successful. I'm on the third attempt and that is my challenge. Um, I've even broken a food processor, but probably less said about that the better. But I do think that it's important that if we're working on a life work balance, then children have got that life school balance still continuing. And there is a parental responsibility to ensure that to the best of their possible ability, we can work together in a partnership to make that happen. Um, so yeah, those are next stages. So all like even just collaboration at all levels seems to be coming through there, Shannon, on what you're saying from staff, uh, staff as one group, staff with parents, just that whole community, um, mm-hmm. you'd say coming out stronger than going in. And I think as well, you know, it's important to talk about a whole staff here um, because our, our school secretary is still playing her role, our caretaker, cleaners we have you know as well as that you know we've got a lot of vulnerable kids out there and our special needs team are also putting in an effort and I know that's also the case in a lot of schools here but I think it highlights the commitment of the teaching profession the majority of the teaching profession to date that um you know we everybody's trying to, to be as supportive as they possibly can given the circumstances and I, you know, again, very young, um, long, long, long time ago, um, I saw uh, an author talk, and his name was Neil Griffiths, and he wrote um, lots of children's stories at the time. But he was a he had been a head teacher in a school in London, and the attendance rate had been very poor in his school. And uh, in part of his presentation, he said, "But you know, I built up my relationship with my parents." And it was an honest one. And he said, you know, so when kids showed a pattern of absence, I phoned the parent and said, listen, if they're not in school, I'm going to come and get them. And I did. And that stayed with me as well. Um, So, you know, I think our ability to phone our parents, talk to them has come out of the relationship that we've built with them. And I know that um, they they realize there there is a follow through with Mm -hmm. us. And 
it's not the first time I've gone and brought a kid to school and there hasn't it hasn't been in in any form through animosity or there's been no bad feeling it has been that level of collaboration and support you know um it's like parents are their are the children's first educators all we're doing at the minute is cementing the foundations of that pyramid and and showing them that you know we realize parenting is really hard and um that we will do what we can to support them yeah no that's that's cementing the foundation of that pyramid no that's that's a it's a nice visual it's, it's and there's a lot of power in that sean I suppose P- peter weir the uh, uh, education minister has announced um sort of a phased return basis how does that look for you like it's just a, i know it's again i've a lot of friends that are teachers and it's it's something maybe it's it's a couple of it's conversations i've been having um the last the last number of hours actually um mm-hmm. it's been just it's uh, it seems to be from from their point of view is it's difficult to envisage it's really quite scary um as i say i'm the longer this goes on um the more difficult it actually becomes and yet i completely understand the importance of health and safety has to be paramount and there's no getting away from that and that health and safety is the health and safety of all those stakeholders that use a school or are associated and involved with the school. But phasing children back and the idea of social distancing is so alien to what schools do and is at the core of schools that um, I cannot envisage going back until we can do it in a way where we're allowed to just do our jobs and that is that interaction and that direct communication with children you know it's been talked about loads um, even through the course of our chat today Cormac about the relationships I don't think unless you actually are in a school you realize the level of and the degree of the importance of those relationships you know um, it's the look it's the non-verbal communication that goes on as well as the the you know the, the the verbal communication it's it's everything it's at the core purpose of making successful independent learners um to think about bringing children in um where they have to be socially distanced um i know that for instance if we look at our year ones coming in and that's a grave concern at the minute our new intake coming in um, and having been a P1 teacher myself, realizing the importance of um, building building that environment of trust um, for those wee ones coming in to begin with, the idea of getting to full class and perhaps having them split over two rooms um, as a double year intake school that would require four rooms, if not five rooms, depending on we've we've uh, depending on your enrollment. So okay you may say well you can do that how do you ensure that you've got the teacher who has a responsibility in the classroom assistance for each class in two or three different rooms at the same time because the introduction of of new adults is even more confusing for the wee ones you go to the far end of the school um, and you go to primary seven um, and again you took look about the, the sort of phasing well who's more important in a school you know, so who do you who do you bring in? Do you bring in the primary sevens because they've got a transfer test? Um, and and what is a transfer test at the minute? And I mean, that's a whole different pedestal that I will not climb on at the minute because I think 
<laughs> well, I think for everybody's sake, they don't want to have to listen to it. But you know, what is phasing? Nobody, nobody's asked, nobody's answered those questions. And you know, I was really quite um, assured by Tony Gallagher in your first podcast because I'm in total agreement. I think that to date, despite the fact that we're in chart, we're on uncharted waters and we don't have a blueprint, we need to have some type of strategic direction. And currently. It's very fragile to say best. And I don't agree that the handling of the closures of schools was done particularly well. And I think for going back, there's going to have to be very open conversations at all levels where the people on the ground um, are consulted and listened to. And that's just not piecemeal listening, that's deep listening taking in you know the fact that schools where children are surrounded by people in masks or not allowed to touch their friends or um can't you know teacher can't help if you've if a child's fallen down and hurt their knee um that all of those things i i cannot stress to you the importance of the relationships and and and, and how schools work um on a day-to-day -day basis schools aren't about curriculum to begin with uh, schools are about getting to know their students and uh, getting to look at the wider aspects of that student's life um, and as well as that those those are crucial because initially when we go back to school it's going to have to be acknowledged that our children at any level have gone through some degree of trauma and that seems like a very strong word, but um, I don't feel obliged to retract it or dilute it. And all the research into children's learning very strongly intimates that a child who has experienced trauma is somewhere down the line, maybe not initially when we go back, but somewhere down the line, that's got to manifest itself. And we need to be, as professionals, on top of our game, as we will be, watching watching for the signs of that trauma and then being able to put something in place that allows that child to either talk about it or be supported to come through it on the other end and um, you can't do that if you're socially distanced and um, you're wearing a mask or um, well the list is endless so I do think people need to be listened to people on the ground need to be listened to and um, actions put in place where schools are allowed to continue to do the job that they do so very, very well. And that's not always just education. So Sharon, what you mentioned there, and I want to delve a wee bit deeper into this, um, the long-term implications, as you said, there with children. And have you any, in, at the minute, of any, any thoughts around what sort of specific support you'd be putting in place? Yeah, I think initially it's about just getting them back into an environment um, and getting those routines in place. And, and I do feel that uh, routine is very important to children. I think they thrive in it. And I think that, you know, having spoken to the staff about this, we realize that a lot of our children will just bounce straight back into routine because that's where they get their security. But it's about keeping it, keeping a very close watch to see, okay, is this just a front? Is this security masking something else? And I think it was Joe actually had said, you know, about teachers are very good at that. We know our children, but it's taking it that step further 
I think, about allowing for that consistency, that consistency of routine, developing their, 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 their sort of their levels of responsibility within the school again, because that in itself will that, that will help them without overburdening them. But also having those those people around, I mean, your pastoral team are going to be crucial. Now, um, I realise that this is possibly quite controversial and I know a lot of schools have a lot of nurturing units and I know that a lot of good work comes out of those. Personally, I think that every every classroom is a nurturing classroom. Um, and I think that's going to be even more important when we get back that, that uh, that, that triangular relationship between um, parents, teachers and, and children is as open, as honest and as positive as it can be because parents have a great insight to what happens obviously when the children go home where we might just be getting, as I said earlier, that masked version. So it's about how do we link in with that? And I know that um, prior to lockdown, uh, that's a terrible term, prior, prior to this lockdown, ETI had been looking and pushing the personal development, mutual understanding aspect of the curriculum. And whilst, again, I'm going to just say I don't get out of bed to um, impress ETI, I do get out of bed to do whatever is possibly the best I can do from, for every child that I have a responsibility for. I think that this is an area that's going to have to take a lot of um, priority. Um, one of my governors um, is a key worker and a frontline um key worker. And in the run-up to closing, we'd had a lot of governors' meetings and discussion and he highlighted this he said that second to the, um, the children's emotions and how they come out of this and the teachers understanding of how they're dealing with this because that's going to be crucial as well that the, the, the staff's understanding of of what they're dealing with and, and, and how they're feeling themselves education's second if not third down the line and um, so I think looking at that, the nurture, the nurture aspect um, and an understanding of whole school, understanding that we need to be there for our kids, not just to get them picked up on the six or seven weeks work, but to be there for them the way we have been in the past as um, mentors and supporters. I think that's, I mean, I know it sounds waffly and there's no really easy way of answering your question without sounding um, textbooky and I'm very conscious of sounding textbooky and saying the right things but if, if I go back to the idea of relationships the relationships will be what will drive us drive us forward I mean the children and going back again to really you know really remote learning and parental responsibility what's well, not again reiterate it. I mean, I really need to reiterate that I don't want to put pressure on, putting pressure on parents. But it's that realisation that if you come back to school and you've already gone through all of this and school one day had looked the way we all know and love it to being taught at home by mum or supported with your learning at home with, with, with an adult dad. Dads are doing great jobs out there, by the way. Um, but then you're back into school again. You have to get your head around that. And the challenges that that comes and the expectations are different. And then you maybe haven't for a number of reasons 
had the same level of support. So the differentiation within support at homes at the minute will impact on differentiation within classrooms. And I know that colleagues will argue that there's always differentiation, but you don't want that level of delay in learning adding to a child's stress because that's going to further impact and you know there's a lot of research out there without scaremongering as an early years person that you know a child who has experienced up to 18 months delay and we won't get to 18 months but 18 months delay if you put that child in the highest performing teachers class they can only close that gap to six months so I think that's why I feel so passionately about keeping the engagement going with our parents because I know that when we come back, stressed kids equals stressed rooms equals stressed teachers, which then, and then very stressed parents because let's face it, every parent is doing exactly what they feel they can do for their child right now because your instinct as a parent is to kill for your kids. And I appreciate that. And I would never knock that because I am that parent. I would kill for my child. But sometimes the avoidance of having to look at it um, can get in the way of what it is you have to do. Like, you know, and I, and I appreciate that because the first time I had to do a Zoom interview, I was petrified. So I avoided it. And it, it's just... You know, further down the line, when we go back, the implications are going to be great. And I think I said earlier, this isn't something that we're going to see by the end of next year. This is something that we could still be looking at if it's not handled properly. Until these children, our primary school children are doing O-levels, A-levels. You know, what? we just need to be careful. And um, instead of being reactive, I think it's very important that there's a level of leadership which is proactive because I think I began by saying we want to come out of this stronger and unless we get that level of proactivity and people working collaboratively and honestly and that's at all levels from the implications of keeping the school clean at the caretakers level to the education director to the minister of education to the colleges, we could quite literally make a world-class education system learning from what we've got here now, or we could make an absolute hames of it. And I'm working hard at being um, professional in my language and causing issues for our kids that will not allow us to meet the ethos of a a sustained successful and secure environment that which really is the overarching theme of why we all do what we do yeah i suppose just to the to summarize um sharon there and just to boil down everything we've talked around and for me there's the three key um collaboration relationships and that nurturing environment crystal absolutely crucial and one doesn't work like another there's nothing worse than an unfinished jigsaw puzzle because you've spent all that time doing it and then you get to the point where you can't find the piece that makes the sense and education is very much a jigsaw puzzle 
Um, it's not about layering things on that are new. It's about how we find things that are relevant that fit together. Um, and if you don't get them to fit together and you can sit, you continue to work in um, discrete pieces, then there's never any sense. And that's really how the best teachers explain context and content to their kids. It's a jigsaw puzzle. Let's put it together. So my call out there is please don't leave a piece of the jigsaw puzzle out. Thank you, Sean. Welcome. So that concludes the third series of the Hip Mastering Your Craft podcast. And that's been four episodes that I have really, really enjoyed and got a lot of insight from. I'd like to thank today's guest, Sean Lamont, for giving up her free time to share her thoughts and her her ideas and experience, which has added tremendous value to what was, um, for me, a great series. I'd like to thank also Professor Tony Gallagher of Queen's University Belfast, Mr Kevin McKernan, Primary 4 teacher in St Ronan's Newry, and Mr Joe McCann, Principal of St Patrick's Grammar School, Dan Patrick, for also giving up their time but also for sharing their uh, insights in helping shape this podcast series so finally i'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in and supporting the podcast it's really appreciated just a reminder i can be followed on twitter at hip psychology i'm also on my website www.hippsychology.com and if you feel that we can be adding value to your school or you would like to know more about how we support pupils, staff and parents, feel free to send us an email on info at hippsychology.com. Stay safe. Take care. Bye-bye.